That's who well, you are. Well, well, well. Come on, bro. Hey! Hey! In the words of Bobby. Hey! Well, you guys are amazing. Congratulations on uh-huh. Baby Moses. Oh, thank, thank you. You're in one year. He, he just That's turned true. one. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. What a, what a champion. He's just like, he's got the wrestler build. He's got a, he's got a breaker build. He he's is. huge. Oh, yeah. He's, he's built. Big. He's built. For yeah. sure. Just before this, our son was with Darren's daughter. Who's I think a month older, yeah. yeah. And then we realize when we around one year olds just how huge our son is. Yeah, yeah. He's well, called he came, Moses for a reason. That's right. He <laughs> came into the room and like the glory came in with him. Like he <laughs> came into the room, he's just like. And then waving. Yeah. What's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> he's beautiful. I, w- I wanted to ask you guys. Um, one of the things that you model in such a in such a profound in such a contrasting way, I'd say, is this incredible joy and passion. Within your, within your marriage. Oh, and, thank you. And I, I, I wanted to just ask, because um, I, I didn't know you guys, you know, before you, before you were married. And I, and I wanted to just find out, how has God, how has God, like, how did this happen? I guess my question is, is like, how has the Lord used marriage to glorify himself? And, 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 I, and it's vague on purpose. It's big, it's big on purpose. Yeah. Just because I want to see, I, I would love for you guys just to dive into uh, the gift of marriage and how the Lord has used it to carve something so beautiful uh, in, your, in your lives. Yeah, totally. So fun. Do you want to? Um, I remember meeting Libby, and uh, we were on in the university. So she was studying theater or drama in English. So I tease and I say, she's my drama queen. <laughs> and, and then I was studying I engineering <laughs> at the time in my master's. Yeah. And I remember there was this, uh, this kind of like um, grassy bank. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing her for the first time, she was wearing uh, like a floral dress. And 2006. <laughs> and she uh, had no shoes on and uh, I remember her uh, coming past and thinking, like, wow, something ethereal about her. Uh, but then I got to uh, meet her and discover her, and I was quite conservative. You know, a little bit of my story, saved in a 104-year-old church. Um, so we heard of the Holy Spirit, but we never experienced the Holy Spirit. Um, or if we did, it was like, hush, hush. And then I met Libby, and she like starts talking and like the yeah, room. Where, where did you guys meet at? Like at a university. Okay, all right, in South awesome. Africa. All right, cool. All right, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure everyone listening right now is noticing that we have accents, and so. Um, I was gonna I, say good day, mate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we love Australia, but we are not no, I, Australian, I and we beat and them at all sports. Yeah. Um, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so, uh, born in the states, 
I was raised in South Africa. Richie's born and raised in yeah. South Africa. Awesome. We've been in the States for seven years. And I remember um, with Libs, I remember like she would walk in rooms and the, it felt like the like, atmosphere of the room would change. People's conversations would suddenly turn from you know, day-to-day stuff and somehow they would suddenly start talking about their hearts and about like God. This is Christians, non-Christians, and it was just a fascinating thing to me. And then she would, which now I understand is like prophecy, but she would know details about people's lives, and then wow. she would tell them, and then they would be shocked, and, but she'd never met these people before. Wow. And I remember there was this moment, um, she was unwell, I think, uh, meningitis. Is meningitis. Meningitis. Uh-huh. Pressure on the brain. And so she said to me, no, I, I've got to... I've got to be like on bed rest for a long period of time, eight hours, 12 hours, whatever oh, it is. 24. Yeah. yeah. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. That must be so hard. And she said, no, 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 it's fine because the Lord would just hover over me wow. and we would uh, just talk and, and all day. And so now me, I'm like, what? Is that like possible? So I remember one uh, day before, I went home, we weren't dating, but I remember going home and falling asleep, like my head hits the pillow and I start to have this thought on this, like, you know it says in the scriptures, unbeknownst to you, sometimes you entertain angels. So I thought to myself, maybe oh, wow. in this, uh, <laughs> this window of my world, in this moment in my timeline, God in his kindness has brought an angel in to show me what's possible. And... I ended up marrying that angel. Wow. But I'm human. <laughs> very human. Sure. Very, and very sure. And I tease and I always say that, and our no, children no, no, will no. be the Nephilim. Oh and I'd like, but I'm, and, and then so it's like a big a joke. joke. And because yeah. obviously, but then when Moses is born, <laughs> so first, Olivia's pregnant about six months in. I can't remember, about six months and we go into for a, a doctor's appointment, maybe three months in, I don't know. And then the doctor says there's a problem. And so now you can imagine first time parents, yeah. wow. doctor calls you in and says there's a problem. You're like, oh. <laughs> and she says, your baby is huge. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, did I speak this into being? He's like 99.9999, like one in 10,000 in size. It's true, I've seen him. He's big, he's huge. He is, he is. And he's fully all in proportion, just, he's just big. He's strong, he's got he's abs, he's got really baby big. abs. He's got abs? So, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> he's got a little six pack. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's got a little bit of cute chubbiness, but when he pushes something up, you can see it's amazing. Go for it. Yeah, so he like moves the refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, he moves the refrigerator. <laughs> Gets on his back. Yeah. But I, I mean, Richie says all of that. I mean, everyone who knows me and who's listened to anything that we share knows we are incredibly real. I'm definitely... An uh, angel. Not an angel. <laughs> I'm very human and very surrendered to the Lord for a reason. We need Jesus. And I think, though, what was so beautiful with Richie and I is when we got together we had a really deep friendship and we both met each other in a secular university I mean like 
10,000 plus 15,000 students, really big university. And we're both radical for the Lord, very different expressions. But we really started, I'd say, when I met Rich, I didn't necessarily have those head over heels falling in love or some Christians share stories of an angel came to them and told them who their spouse is and they had, you know, lights shining above the person. And I mean, I heard all those stories right when we... Who liked who first? I liked Richard oh, first. Yeah, okay. I definitely, I definitely had that. I definitely, I definitely noticed him. I was like, oh, hey. I'm just having a laugh. And um, but really, we started in deep friendship and connection. Thanks, Gwen. Awesome. Oh, Gwen from heaven. So cool. Thank you. Wow. Thanks, wow, God. Thank you. And you brought we'll one for Jesus. Your, that's yeah, great. She that's, did. That's for me. Yeah, and we'll come to this podcast anytime. Thanks, Gwen. Um, thank you, Gwen. Love you. And so really the, our relationship started in deep respect and friendship. That's, that's good. That's which, really good. Which um, was an incredible foundation. Rich and I both weren't raised in a Christian home. I think it's really important to know that. Rich found the Lord when he was 17 or 18 years old. I was 13. And um, in a lot of ways really were, were you know, raised, mothered and fathered by the Lord and really by the church, learning what a healthy family looks like from being in church communities, homes, and, um, you know, really as a young believer watching, you know, how people led their lives, who I wow. knew loved Jesus and almost taking notes and learning what that means and, and wow. how to follow Jesus. Um, but I think the plus side of that, which was a real joyful thing, which I've seen still manifest in our lives, is we didn't have baggage or a, a, a religious upbringing seeping in. And so really enriching my life individually and together, when we read the word of God, we just believed what it said. Wow. And yeah. so, you know, did some pretty risky things for the gospel. And we saw, you know, food multiply and radical healings and God show up in amazing ways. We didn't want to start a ministry when we were together. I mean, even dating, we were part of this incredible move of God in our city where we would go into high schools. And I think from like eight people, we would go on a weekly basis. There was one stage where Rich really pioneered that and there were 800 students every week that would gather together, people getting saved by the hundreds, amazing demonstrations of God's power. And that was really the formative years of our relationship. But that came from this blissful ignorance of what we weren't and were allowed to do. We just read what it said in God's word and we saw Jesus multiply food or we saw the dis disciples speak and say, be healed, pick up your mat and walk. This is literally what we did. We just were so hungry in every ounce of purity for Jesus. And in our connection with one another and as we built our relationship, over those years of dating, we really um, dated while being a teacher at one stage, engineer, going around to, at that stage, five times a week across our city to different high schools, being in a secular university, but seeing God demonstrate with such power. And we just knew a Jesus who showed up in our everyday lives. Awesome. We needed him in our families. We needed him to think rightly. We needed him in when we were studying and needed solutions for Rich's master's thesis. Or So we knew this everyday Jesus and it's supernatural and full of power, but really was involved in every, we had to have him. We couldn't rely on wow. our parents' faith possibly wow. or um, you know, what we were taught before. And I think that that's really shifted our marriage in a powerful way because 
as Richie and I partnered together, really before people knew us or saw us, we were in a God partnership Wow. Because Jesus was breaking out and doing things, wow. and we knew this is too much for one person. Rich was pioneering it, and he would bring me in, and we had a, a close group of friends at that stage who really, we saw an incredible revival amongst the youth throughout our entire city. And a lot of that were formative years of our relationship. So Richie and I, before we maybe knew what women weren't and are allowed to do in certain streams or not, and we really had a, a grassroots move of God, and so we partnered together, respected one another, learned from each other. And I think as well, Darren, I would say, when you go through really hard times, mm. you yeah. have two choices as believers. Either it's that idea of fake it till you make it, wow. we'll push through, we'll wow. be strong, which definitely was part of our journey, and that has an expiry date. And sure. that short circuits, if it's not in a few days, it'll be in a few months or a few years and you'll burn out and that doesn't sustain. Or you have to be honest, be real, invite Jesus into your humanity. And both Rich and I, you know, had to learn a lot from um, dysfunction and, and maybe wrong beliefs or thinking and insecurities. And I would say Rich and I have fallen deeply in love with each other in very messy moments. Because I know when I'm fragile or broken or younger and I had a fear even in our early 10 years ago, early years of marriage of crying in front of people or I thought to be a leader or to count for Jesus, I had to have it all together. So if I was in pain or Rich hurt me or, um, or there was an issue going on, I would try and run and hide and that was my pattern. I would go away with Jesus, encounter God, be healed, experience him and then I would open the door and be the wife that I thought he wanted me to be wow. or be the leader I thought that God needed me to be wow. or people needed wow. me to be. Wow. And there were moments where this man, I would you know, try and separate myself from him to get better, wow. to return to him in our marriage. And I would you know, run into the bathroom door and lock it and just say, I just, I just need to be alone with Jesus and I'll sort everything out with him. I'll deal with this anger or this pain I'm going through, or disappointment, and then I'll come out and I'll be great for you again. Mm. And Rich just would not settle for that. There were moments where he would literally be on the other side of the door and he'd be almost speaking through the crack of the door at the bottom and he'd say, babe, in our marriage, when there's pain, we do not separate from one another. And I don't want you in the moments where you feel your best self. I want all of who you are because he experienced a Jesus who was like that for him. And he carried this incredible grace from God to be unafraid of humanity and pain and mistakes where I came from quite a performance culture. And there would be moments and then, you know, hours. I remember one evening in particular where he would be behind the door and he'd say, I'm not leaving. And I'd say, just let me sit in the car. I'll go for a drive. And just so wanted to reject myself for not being good enough or hitting the mark. And so assuming he would and making that decision for him. And he just refused. He, would, he wouldn't allow me to hide when I felt like a failure or to separate myself in pain and really model Jesus' heart for me in that way where you know, he would even just speak under the crack of the door and say, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. If you open this door, we're going to get through this together. And I think it was really those early days of arguments and mess and, you know, making decisions for one another 
where the two of us and Rich led and modeled that so powerfully, where we really saw each other's humanity and brokenness and process, but choosing each other in that has been so beautiful because when we go through hard times, which hello, right now in the world, <laughs> thank right. you, Jesus, right. <laughs> and those will only you know, increase and, and we're not in heaven yet. And so as heaven advances on earth, there's going to be opposition. And I think those are the moments where we know no matter how hard or how bad it gets, we've already made the decision to choose one another. Mm. And we know the end is gonna, if it's, Chris Valentin, our pastor, always says this, if it's not good, it's not the end. Wow. And so from going through the mess and obstacles and choosing one another, I think we have that solidified. And so often people think Christian marriage must be, you know, continually ecstatic, but no, it's the ecstatic encounters with one another and with God in the midst of trying circumstances creates powerful bond and this beautiful, you're eliminating rejection and abandonment from one another and so I really thank God for Rich doing that in those moments. So I would say that people think, oh, you must have an amazing life together. We absolutely do. Yeah. But it's actually been choosing one another and choosing the Lord mm. in those hard, hard times that I think that's the secret source or the thing that people notice and see the most. Yeah. So good. I was thinking, um, uh, there's, there's a pastor named Craig Rochelle. I, I don't know if you guys, yeah. uh, and I heard him tell a story once where this, this, this lady in his church was going off to him about her husband. And she was saying, if my husband was half the man that you were, you know, and she was just ripping into her husband to Pastor Craig. And, and he said, um, he said, I am who I am because of my wife. Yeah. Mm. And she has created yeah. this space yeah. where, where, I could, where I could come up. And she has created this, like, I don't remember if he used the word honor, but he, I think he did. He's like, she is, she, in her honor, she's created this space for me to kind of come up. That's right. And, um, and uh, the first time I met you guys together, actually, was at, over at Jake's house. Mm-hmm. The first time I, you know, the first time I got to meet you, Libby. And, and I remember um, uh, Richard was going to be ministering that night. And so you, you did like the introduction. And, um, and so you introduced Richard. And, and you, you created this incredible you, you raised the ceiling so, so, so high. You created so much room and you just like, you, it was like, you were like his number one cheerleader. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that, like, like, like I was just, but it also, it wasn't, it wasn't flattery. It was creating a faith in the room yeah. because it was almost like I live with him. I'm married to him yeah. and I honor him. Mm-hmm. So the least you can do is honor this incredible man of God because something's yeah. going to happen in this place. Yeah. And then when you were ministering today, mm-hmm. I was sitting by Richard and he was just sitting there just like enamored. You know, Richard just kept looking at me and saying, look at her. <laughs> and he kept saying, yeah. she, like he, multiple times while she was ministering, she's the most anointed woman. Isn't she so anointed? You know, like, it was, so, that, so you, guys, you guys do this with each other and not only with each other, but with your students yeah. and with, with me. I, 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 always, I, I always feel so humbled by, by your honor. So now, all right, where did, how did that come about? Like, is, is that just something that's just been just a natural part of like your, you know what I'm saying? Or no. but how have you created, how have you created that culture? Yeah, that's, uh, that would be all Richard. <laughs> so kind, but I'm sitting here as she's speaking, like, and she's sharing. I'm like, you are one of the 
best articulators, communicators, <laughs> like ministers. You, you're talking, <laughs> you're like, you're starting to talk about marriage. And I'm like, I feel the Lord here. I'm because like, he's in it. We wouldn't have a marriage um, without Jesus, that's for sure. Hey, real quick. Yeah. Sorry. Don't. Okay. Don't. I'm. I'm. Bad. I get so much critique. Like in, in the podcast notes. Like, Darren, you stop interrupting. You know. And so I just oh, delete them. It. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's my show. It's not your delete. <laughs> in honor, of course, right? But um, <laughs> of course, Libby, you're talking today about how yes. Bill, would, Bill would like oh, single you yes. out and like yes. take take your your mm-hmm. head in his hands. Mm-hmm. And when you were sharing, I was like. How many stinking impartations has she received from Bill Johnson? Because you know how Bill Johnson just kind of stands there and revelates. Oh yes. You got that. Yeah. Like She's just the, the 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 clarity. Oh. Uh, the it's so it's so clear. It's so crystal clear, and it's also so revelatory. And so when you were just saying that, I was like, no, I absolutely agree. It's not just like yeah. a teacher. It's it's not just a teacher gift. It's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, she yeah. can do the announcements. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, okay. oh, the Lord is here. <laughs> Welcome everyone to our second honeymoon. <laughs> um, but I would even say with that, Darren, even when you talk about impartation from Bill, a lot of those moments I was speaking about in my message this morning, it was because of my humanity and my yeah. frailty. It was a father wow. and it was Bill in the room and he saw that and he covered and spoke into it. Wow. Same thing where I remember, you know, being um, part of the leadership team that served in our evening service at Bethel and going through an incredibly hard time um, in my extended family and just a lot of just mourning and pain of some of the decisions and things that were going on. And obviously that's out of our control and people choose what they want. And I remember there would just be evenings where Bill would just say during the prayer meeting before, why don't you come sit next to me? And then during prayer, he would just have his hand on my back and he would just be praying. And I can't even remember what he prayed, but I think often we think that these powerful moments we qualified for, even when I see Rich, I am confident, I feel security, I feel freedom to obey God. It's honestly because I've needed that from Rich. And that's my humanity and my lack has invited his strength to come and cover it and invited his words of life. And when going to him in honesty and brokenness and probably being very inconvenient at times, definitely in the beginning of our marriage, when he'd be about to lead a meeting and I would be fearful, would ministry be more important than me or what would he choose and definitely not handling it well. And he would arrive late to meetings because he wanted to show me and just say, I choose you every time. And I would say it's that same thing with Bill all those impartations haven't been because I've been amazing or dynamic. It's been because I've needed the Lord. Wow. And I think for beautiful in marriage to, yes, carry a sweet independence. And of course, we have a strong, independent relationship of each other with the Lord. But I think I've really needed rich. And for a man, that's a really powerful thing to Absolutely. feel valuable and vital. And then for me as a woman to feel like one word I say to Rich can make him sit up or stand taller or it can cause him to cower. And so I know as a wife, I have incredible power and it's my joy to wield that power by building him up and speaking into his life and and doing all of those things. She's the best. There's a fun story. I remember the first time I preached at Bethel, um, you know, I'm nervous uh, about to get up and 
there's Bill's in the front row, Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and Eric Johnson and, and just like, like people are like, oh, I'd like such respect for these leaders and then Bill gets, gets up, he's going to introduce me and uh, he gets up and I'm like, I wonder what he's going to say and, and he says, you know, I can't remember the exact words but he says some really like, like amazing things and he said, but the best thing about Richard that he's married to Libby. <laughs> <laughs> so That's cute. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, I he love it. You. And honestly, like, I <laughs> delight. I, um, you know, when you're in love, there's no balance. You're just all in. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I delight. I, it's probably one of the best things I've ever done is to marry this beautiful queen. Yeah. I'm the uh, fruit of Richie's ministry. I'm a great and we, You know, I, I see a lot, well now we're going into, but I see a lot of people look at relationships and they think like, oh, that's going to add to my ministry. Wow, Come on, babe. And wow. I just, I think people miss it yeah. because God didn't come for a ministry, he came for a relationship. Wow. You know, it was, he modeled it even in creation. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in this relationship that creation gets made and then it starts in this relationship and then he sends his son out of relationship for a relationship with the people so that a relationship could get restored. It started with relationship. It was, um, the connection was made through relationship. The end goal is relationship. And then we get to have one that resembles something of the heavens. Yeah, and I'm, for me, the more in love I get with him, mm-hmm. I, it does. It like it, I fall more in love with Libs, and she becomes more wonderful. And we have the anointing helps. The, the anointing helps. Yeah. The oil makes everything smooth. <laughs> yeah. So this is, and I, you know, like we share these stories about um, speaking through the creek, cre- the crack of a door, and. Um, and her with treating and what, what a joy it is to love someone into a place of loveliness. That's like God in his kindness has given me one of his most prized possessions. And I get the opportunity to love her into a place where she becomes more lovely. And my actions, my words, my thoughts, the way that I handle situations. But I think, like I'm obviously biased, but I think Libs is one of the most remarkable creatures that have come to the earth. And that I get a chance to, to see her arise and shine and to help. Mm. I mean, that's, I get to be the hands of the Lord mm-hmm. in a moment where, a very, like someone who is very broken. Mm-hmm. And I get to love her to a place where, and then she does the same for me. Yeah. I remember coming to this city, preaching at a conference. I remember being so anxious. Um, I remember sitting with her in the hotel room and I remember how she just covers me and just speak life over me. Yeah. And there's been many moments where she's mentored me, and there's been many moments where I'd mentor her. And yeah. it's just this beautiful. It is. Uh, what I was saying is uh, you never think it. You never think that the little moments that you have privately yes. will suddenly become um, a display of God's love. Yeah. So you're sitting and you're having these decisions to choose somebody. I'm never thinking that it's going to inspire someone else. Yes. And there we sit, and then, like, 
it's so fascinating when we started doing ministry, the things that would impact people the most yeah. would be the glory of God, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, um, and then our marriage. But it's not like we went and going like, you know, because I've seen a lot of ministers focus on, okay, we're going to press in for the presence. We're gonna, but like the feedback we continually get was like, your marriage, the way that you guys minister, the way that you prefer each other, I'm like, oh. And you never think <laughs> right. that the moments privately wow. suddenly become this public, this public display. But I think the things that happen privately yeah. often carry the most power most publicly. Power. Yeah. So Rich, like, um, this place of just like naturally, uh, this place where uh, almost prophetic affirm affirmation just bubbles out of you. How did how did how did you how did that come about? Like like is that something that you had to work on? Is that something that you had to carve out? Or when you were like a little boy, were you like, Daddy, you're the best papa that has ever you know what I'm saying? Like Mommy, you know, like such a good accent. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what did that what did that process um, look like? Because I think um, for a lot of us, like with our own like I, yeah. I, I was thinking like you know Jesus, the prayer of Jesus. He's like 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 this is my desire is that they would be known for their love for each other. Like like that was so important to Jesus. Like Father, like mm. I'm in you, you're in me, man. Yeah. If we could just if they could be in us, and you know, and then um, the commanded blessing and, and unity, and, and sometimes what we think, kind of what what you know what that looks like. And yet for a lot of us, we wrestle with so much disappointment in regards to broken fractured relationships and re relationships in the past you know yeah. a, a very fractured relationship perhaps with a previous pastor of a church and now I'm connected with a new church but I just can't can't go there I can't really trust this leadership because yeah. of how I was yeah. you know and, or uh, a fracturedness with our own parents and then how we how we project that onto our relationships with my with our own children like yeah. How can I connect with my own children if I never felt connected with my own parents? And like, mm -hmm. and so, um, and for a lot of us, I think we say, that's just who, this is who I am. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm going to learn how to kind of perform my way through this. Yeah, self-manage. Yeah, yeah, versus this place where we, where we tr truly, versus this place where it's easy for like for affirmation and true love and honor to be able to just kind of naturally flow out of us and to spill out onto everyone around us, regardless of their own humanity, you mm -hmm. know? Um, can you just kind of invite us into like what that, like how has that realm been carved out in your own life? Unless you've just always been that way. And if that is, no, you know, yeah, yeah. an honor prodigy. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it came from brokenness. Yeah. So often the Lord loves to take uh, where there's areas of brokenness in you and then he loves to say, you know what, I'm going to use that yeah. and I'm going to wow the wise. Yeah. And, and so I could share bits of my upbringing, but um, this definitely wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember I, was, I hadn't met Libby yet. I was young just become a Christian and I, th I was dating a girl and then I think she cheated on me with my, one of my best friends and I remember I went into this world of luck. I think everyone is selfish. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. And then I, I was house sitting a house with my friend Paul during this time 
And I had this moment where I woke up and I felt like this liquid love all over me. And I just started to cry and cry and cry. And I, I looked at the people that I was hustling with and I'm like, I love these people. <laughs> and then I just started crying and I said, started saying to the person that I was staying with, I was like, I don't know why, but I just love everyone on the streets. And I just love, and I just started naming people and I started naming people and I started naming people. And I, I just started becoming like this overflowing with love. And I would say, a lot of people say, oh, you carry this, you carry that, you carry this. But I would say probably the thing um, that God has placed inside me most is a gift of love, mm -hmm. to love people. Mm -hmm. And I think of the Christ, uh, I can imagine if people got around Jesus, they would experience such love. Yeah. Um, they would experience him the way that he would speak with them, his words would make them feel valuable. The way that he would look them directly in the eye because the eyes are the gateway to the soul. And so he wouldn't look just at them, he'd look into their soul. And he, his words would not just be words, they'd be laced with a frequency that would awaken a, a, a son or a daughter saying, am I important, am I significant, do I carry something worth fighting for? And his very words would be like, I'll die for you, you are so precious. And like when I, I meet, met the Christ, I, I feel like I met a lover, like someone who's, and so I think words of encouragement or honor, it comes from a place of like, if Jesus was in front of someone, they would feel so loved. His kindness would lead them to a place where they would turn yeah. from what they're doing um, even now I'm talking I'm like oh isn't he he is marvelous yeah. he's better than you can think or imagine yeah. he goes beyond like you think of the kindest most loving person mm -hmm. he is beyond what we can think or imagine yeah. and it's it is when I get into a quiet time and I speak to him like God what do you think of me mm -hmm. maybe after I've, I've um I've led something, spoken somewhere, or had a moment, I'm like, and I think he might come with this, this heavy correction or this, and he, is, it's, he speaks with such love yeah. every time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, can feel his presence, yeah, I sense him. Mm, can feel his presence. So, I think uh, Jesus, his words carried such life. Yeah. It says that in the scriptures that um, life and death and the power of the tongue mm -hmm. and so you have this ability to literally like your words have the ability to, to like life or yeah. death to come into somebody yeah. and I can imagine the Christ his words mm -hmm. literally brought life Wow! like dead things started waking yeah. up it's a weapon. like uh, limbs and and where there was like uh, cells were in asymmetry, they would come into symmetry and they would like suddenly wake up and they'd, like they'd, you, healing would start happening. Or someone who, who felt, feels broken or hopeless or not chosen, they'd be with him and his words literally would be life and they would start waking up like, oh, I am significant. Oh, I do, I'm worth fighting for. I'm, this, I'm supposed to be here. And 
So I think the more I get to know him, the more I'm like, I just see people, I'm like, you need to know this. You need to know this about you. 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 There's a scripture that says that kind words are healing to the, um, kind words are like honey to the soul and healing to the bones. And so I, I imagine Jesus, when he starts to speak, honey talks of the anointing, his kindness and his love would be like honey, sweetness and anointing resting on the soul of somebody. The tone of his voice, the, the, how it was seasoned, how the phrasing, how it makes you feel like you're important. Like even like as you're listening right now, you're listening to my words, but I, I know because I sense that the Christ is speaking to you that yeah. you're really significant. You have a place and he's, he's called you, he's fought for you to be here. Um, and then like, imagine words could heal bones and that's the Christ. So yeah, I, I love honoring, encouraging. I think it's the way Christ Moved, I walked. I loved, loved. It was a funny, my first email address. Yes. Did you have a Hotmail account ever or AOL? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> my first email address was gotta love love at gmail.com. Gotta love love yeah, there we go. at gmail.com. It's not in function today. Please do not email me. <laughs> Don't email me. <laughs> so like, and your first email like was actually saying. a Gmail. That's right. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's very impressive. Africa no, got like an AOL or something. Africa got I was working in. The internet later. I was working in France on a, um, I was working in Marseille, the south of France, in, a, uh, in an engineering firm, and I was, uh, I was out there working on a, a satellite telecoms uh, a product with all these engineers at this quite um, cutting edge. Mm-hmm. They developed um, product for across Europe. And then they did all their communication over Gmail. And they're like, oh, do you have a Gmail handle? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I give it to like the, all the like leaders and I'm like, gotta love, love at Gmail. That's awesome. <laughs> and that hoping so awesome. And that the honest, English is not that great that they wouldn't notice. I remember I got really embarrassed <laughs> and I was like, and that's when I got a new email address. So. <laughs> yeah. that is, that's why he has a new Gmail account. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna, People are so yeah, spiritual yeah. who listen. We're going to leave it up to yeah. them to hear the Lord. Yeah, on yeah, 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 to get, get the word of knowledge. Darren, if I can be cheeky and add Please. two things. I would say as well being objective and witnessing rich. I was raised, like I said, from a high performance family, came from even my schooling um, as well. And when I came to know Jesus, I met his kindness, his grace, his goodness that changed my whole life. But, you know, old habits die hard and even in my marriage with Rich, I still had a value that if you tell me where there's an error or something missing, it's far more valuable to me because I can work at that. I can grow my weakness. I can, I can find out what that is and, and then I'll be sharper for the Lord and I'm going to grow in his goodness and uh, steward what he's given me in a greater way. And so after I would minister or do anything, Rich's the person I trust the most, and I would go to him and say, okay, babe, where do you feel I could grow? Because that's how I was raised. That's actually, I feel safer there. If you tell me where my error is, then at least I don't, you know, everyone else knows it, and I'm not the only one left out of whatever's in there, or um, I can grow, and, and all of that is 
beautiful. The heart behind it's beautiful. But I did not take love seriously. Wow. I did not wow. take words wow. of life seriously. Right. I thought, oh, thank you. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Now tell me where I can improve. Wow. Now share with me what actual feedback do you have for me? Wow, okay. And I, from watching Rich and even in our early years of marriage, I must say I, I didn't have the value I have now for how he operates and his conviction, almost his holy stubbornness in that area. And I have witnessed the output from his life. I mean, you'll hear many things Rich shares, but from working for the military and, and um, creating algorithms that really change communication and uh, producing work that shifts you know, media in our nation and just the work he does with some very high-tech um, companies, I see the leaders that he raises up in the body of Christ who are powerful, bold, humble, servant-hearted leaders who minister in the glory with such power. And I've witnessed that myself in the way he speaks to me and loves me and the fruit it produces in my life. And I have had a radical shift over the last 10 years of realizing that God actually knew what he was saying when he said his kindness leads us to repentance, wow. to change. Wow. Or it is for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that honestly and truly, it's not a good word or, or something cushy, that love is fierce yeah. and powerful. And love is violent to bring change and safety and propel us into what God has. And I, it's really been that you know, the encounter with God, God is love, Daniel 11.32, which is Rich's life message, is those who encounter God, who know God, will do great exploits. I've watched the power of words of life being spoken into people or operating with love, and I've watched the fruit, the actual tangible, practical outcomes that it produces solutions for the world. It raises up leaders quicker than any feedback I could give, any word of correction I could offer. And I begin to notice that, I mean, God knows what he's doing and what he says is true. But I've noticed even in my own life that when we love or riches ministering in, in honor, it's, life is tough enough as it is. Life will knock you down. If, you know, you go to a leader and people say, oh, how do you remain humble? You're in ministry. How do you do? Well, you know what? I pray for people and still to this day we're pressing in for more. We see so many supernatural healings. We see God break out. But you remember the ones who don't get healed. And you remember those sure. moments with the, the one person you sowed into for years who you felt like slipped through your fingers and, and is in a hard place. And life's tough enough as it is. That's right. You, we actually need as believers or, or in our marriages or in our friendships, we actually are starved of knowing what other people think about us or what God thinks about yeah. us. We starve to know who we truly are. And Rich shared this with me once. He said, God never makes me guess what he thinks about me. Wow. He never leaves me out you know, in the dark around wow. what, what he wow. wants to do with me or what he wow. says over me. Therefore, as a leader, I have no right to treat anyone any other so way. Good. Wow. And for me, I've watched the, the power of that, oh, it does produce tangible fruit. Wow. It raises up leaders quicker than anything else. And so I've really had to shift in my beliefs around that. Something that'll, if you get it, I think it'll change your life because it did me. Um, if I had a whiteboard, but you get a lot of people, you have... Um, 
hunger and thankfulness. Celebration is like a form of thankfulness. And a lot of people have these like, my hunger is here yeah. and my thankfulness is like down here. Wow, um, that's right. So, and they call that mm -hmm. spiritual. Yeah. Okay. You look at that person going like, God, I need you. Ah, like, and they call that, like they look at the hunger and they're like, wow, that is a, that is, that is a spiritual person because they carry this like right. crazy hunger. Where somebody's hunger is here and their thankfulness is here, that person, this is Richard speaking, but this is my experience, Good. is actually a frustrated person. Yeah. Take that same, like put that on your looks, for example. Um, you know, I'm so thankful I look, you know, X way. But oh, I just want to be, I just right. want to be a bit, if I just right. could, right. if I just was a little more, I'm frustrated then. Take that to your, your, um, your situation currently in your finances. Like, I just, I want to be, I want to, I just, I'm hungry right. for, but right. I'm thankful. The product is a frustrated person, but we bring it into spirituality yeah. and we say, no, that's spiritual. Right. Are you so hungry? Right. Right. What I'm like, if yeah. imagine we start to live a life, because I'm talking about celebrating others, but imagine we start to live a life where, where you start to celebrate yourself. Yeah, that's good. And then I'm not saying let's stop hungering, but imagine you started being a little bit more thankful than you were hungry. So don't drop the hunger factor, yeah. but if there was this, we increased the like celebration, the love, the honor, like to a place where it's right up here, you would cultivate, because there's the only miracle done twice the same in the Bible, it's the feeding of the 4,000, feeding of 5,000. There was a place of thankfulness that caused multiplication that started to happen. Thankfulness, celebration, it's, a, it's literally like the soil for multiplication. It's the soil for increase. And I just see so many people sitting in a place of frustration. I'm like, if you just started to ask him, what does he think about that person? And so in a, in a past, like if you That's want to really pastor someone, lead someone, grow someone in business, in ministry, in your family, like I think the way God leads his children is I think he, he doesn't correct them this much and celebrate them this much. I think he's, I think he's celebrating his children. Like, come on, you know, I'm walking around with Moses. I'm not correcting Moses more than I'm celebrating him. Yeah. It would be dysfunctional, but I think, and I think I'm a, I'm a good dad, but I can only imagine how he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because there are certain sins in the church that get picked on more than other sins. Mm -hmm. and, it, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to a youth conference, right? And wait for the altar call. And <laughs> one of the sins that doesn't really get picked on or talked about is coveting. And coveting is so interesting, like this place where like, what's wrong with, why is coveting, is like, why would that be a sin? And it's almost like when, we, when we're coveting something, it's almost like we're, what we're saying is, God, what you have blessed me with, mm -hmm. is not, it's not enough. That's it. Hmm. So good. You know, and if I had this or that or this or that, mm -hmm. then your blessing would be sufficient. Then yeah. your grace would be uh, sufficient. So that's what I was thinking of. Sometimes not only is it not 
true healthy spirituality but sometimes there's even a level a great level of actually just miss really missing the mark in that area which is what sin is is, is missing the mark so like what a great opportunity to, for, for us to repent yeah. and just be like God like what you have blessed me with it yes. is enough like yes. God you yes. are enough and yes. this is enough and thank yes. you and yes. to find that place of appreciation and yeah. and then also just like all the radical studies that like Carolyn Leaf has been up to about like gratitude and how it rewires the brain wow. and like tying that into like the Bible and everything I mean yeah. and so I love the illustration yeah. that is like that is so helpful hmm. and, and even repenting of that place of like ah Jesus ah, ah, you know like you know you know, and coming into a place of Jesus, thank you. Strive. You know, thank yes. you. Yes, right. Yeah. Guys, okay, this is all this has been good. Okay, this has been good. But um, <laughs> like also there's the whole dynamic that you guys are actually you guys are like pastors. We are like pastors. We are you guys we are, are pastors. pastors. Like so you guys you guys are actual shepherds yeah. that are responsible for for a lot of kids. A lot of and, and and people that aren't kids, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, but you know, like, there's this place of shepherding, and and um, and there's this place of like just the responsibility, right, associated with that. And the reason why I bring that up is that there might even be people that are listening where they're like they're like in an abusive marriage, yeah. right, or they're they're in something where there's where there's harm that's taking place. So I wanted to ask you guys um, this this amazing supernatural honor dynamic that yeah. you guys are functioning in, mm-hmm. and the ability to always see. Mm-hmm to see what you know the you the positives you know and not and not the not the negatives but like how do you how do you handle um, the humanity yeah. and and also making sure that that not only is your your culture gracious mm-hmm. but it's also but it's also safe safe mm-hmm. yeah i um, have learned this lesson over many years and i think the biggest mistake i see coming up over and over in those we pastoring, we loving. I've noticed it in my own life and had to have God speak in, is that we confuse the difference between where we place our faith and where we should place our expectation. So the Bible says that the Lord gives us a hope that will not lead us to disappointment mm. and will not lead us to shame. Romans 5, 5. That's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a promise that he's given us and hope will not disappoint because everyone is nice to you. You have great leaders. Your family is amazing. Your boss treats you well. No, wow. because of the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so when I honor someone, I'm never making an exchange with them. When I love them or choose, and it's a choice, so we aren't blind to people's shortcomings. I'm not blind to my own shortcomings, but it's a choice. I choose to treat you in an honorable way, not because you are honorable, but because that's the way the Father treats me and that's who I am as a person. Therefore, I've untangled myself from you being in control. Actually, God is in control of me and I have been called to lead myself first. And so the way I treat other people is not in response to who they are. It's in response to him and who he has created me to be. Now that's the ideal, right? Humans make mistakes all the time. And I would say my personality, and I've shared a little bit on my upbringing, would be more, um, this was definitely not something natural for me. I'd be more curious and uh, 
you know, observe and let's see, you know, how they do with this level of trust. And, and God's really had to work on me. But there are real situations, abuse of power within the church or in our home lives, right, perhaps right. a boss or something like that. And, and then that is a huge mistake, Darren, where I've seen in my own life where I've watched okay, God, you're a God of honor, God of love, so I'm just going to put love on this person. I'm going to honor them, and then I expect an exchange as if my love or my honor for them wow. will then become a form of control mm. wow. and will change them. Wow. And so the Lord, true love is wow. completely untangled from any kind of exchange. Otherwise, wow. really it's good. manipulation. Really wow. And wow. the word of God says manipulation is witchcraft. Wow. Yeah. And so if I'm a pastor and I'm loving my students so that they'll behave better or, wow, or preach more wildly or if yeah. I'm loving Rich so that he would become a better leader because I think oh. that's who he is or what he deserves what ends up happening is actually flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit and so the fruit of that will be continual frustration oh. offense disappointment it's pain really because so what good. I'm engaging in is not actually love it looks like love that's right. That's right. it that's could right. sound like love it could, and, and that's what flattery is. And so that's why we need oh, to love so in truth. And so when I love someone, I'm seeing how, you know, who God sees them to be. I'm speaking that into being. But I'm very aware of who they are right now, wow. what they're struggling with, what they're going through. I'm so aware of it that I know they must need this word from God. They must need this word of life. I don't just... I don't not see Richard's shortcomings. In fact, I'm more fiery to speak life over him because I see those things. Wow. But if I'm doing that to get an outcome from my husband, hmm. what ends up happening is the Bible, it speaks strongly about it. it does. I'm actually engaging in witchcraft. Wow. And it's not going to produce godly fruit. And so how, where's the God balance here? I believe it is to have the right view and it's placing people in their correct position or place. And so I have a right view of God and I have a right view of people. So for example, in the workplace, if we have abusive boss, mm -hmm. whatever it is, I have a high expectation and faith that God is going to break into my workplace, that God's going to show up in a powerful way, that I'll have amazing opportunities to see kingdom advancement. I'm going to have high faith and expectation that no matter how I perform in my job, that I'm going to feel secure and loved and safe because of him. Wow. And then I have with wisdom and perception, not with suspicion, not with a pain right. or, or right. fracture, like you say, or unforgiveness or offense, but with wisdom and clarity. It says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, right. but of love and wisdom and a sound mind. Love, wisdom, or love, power. And a sound mind. Yeah. Thank you, God. Power and wisdom. The other one was good amazing. too. Uh. But we will be biblical. <laughs> love, power, and a sound mind. So that means for love to really have its full effect, I must marry it with a sound mind. I must marry it with power. Wow. And so when I operate in love, that means with a sound mind, I'm going to realize my boss perhaps has an emotional capability of an eight-year-old. <laughs> perhaps 
there's been real things that have taken place in his life and he is real capped at maybe eight years old. If things don't go his way, he's going to throw a fit similar to my toddler and, you know, papers are going to get thrown just like my child throws papers. And I have a realistic view of what he is capable of right now. Doesn't mean in the future, but right now. And so I have a high view of God. I have a limitless expectation of God, but I have a realistic expectation of people. That's good. good. And my realistic expectation of people doesn't limit my love for them. It's not going to limit my honor for them. It's not going to limit me speaking words of life, but I'm not going to allow their dysfunction or where they are capped at to control my peace or to control my quality of life or the way I thrive, or the way I function. And so what often happens is we think, I've got to operate at faith. So I'm going to just, I'm going to honor and love, and I'm going to see everyone as amazing, and I'm just going to do that towards my boss, mm-hmm. and then everything will be different. And then what ends up happening is you're, you have placed the way you should treat and view and love God on man. And man is not God. And that man has freedom of choice and and they can do whatever they want and it might not work out the way we planned, but I can manage disappointment and I can manage my heart and pain if I am, A, not engaging in witchcraft and love isn't an exchange. I'm not trying to control you. Positive manipulation. Oh, you're so good at being on time if you're actually late or whatever it is. It must be honor with (laughs) truth. And then if I have a right have a right view, high expectation of God, but a realistic expectation of people. And then I'm going to keep good connection, Darren, because that actually means that I expect you to maybe blow up in that situation. And because I expect you to blow up in that situation, if you don't, amazing. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. But if you do, I'm going to keep my peace. Wow. I'm going to be connected to the Lord. You, I'm not going to respond in pain or, or freak out back at you. Why? Because I'm going to ask God, who actually is this man? Who is this boss that I have? Oh, he's this and this and this. Therefore, I'm going to keep that same treatment of love and honor in that way, but I'm going to have a realistic expectation of who you are, and that will protect us from dysfunction as well. If someone is highly dysfunctional or abusive, and they are repeatedly showing you that they are not ready for change or are changing, then it's okay to say, I'm going to keep believing for your transformation. I'm going to keep holding on to who God has shown me you to be. But right now, you aren't choosing to be that person. And you're not in that place right now. So I'm going to love and honor you from over here. And there's real situations where, you know, we need to say, uh, it's actually, I cannot keep honor and connection by subjecting myself to your dysfunction or to this repetitive cycle you have going on. And so I'm going to have high expectation and faith of the Lord. Keep praying. Keep speaking life over you. Keep expecting God to break in. But actually, you are not God. And so you're human. And so what I'm going to do is God and me are going to have a great connection. I'll be over here. And I'm going to keep honoring you and loving you and connecting with you. And whatever boundaries I need to put in to protect, honor, and love... I'm going to do that. Hmm. And so it's knowing that I put up, I keep out what isn't helpful. But what ends up happening is if I keep doing that and expecting people to be God to me, then when there is goodness and there is love, like with Richie and my connection, if I had had, which I did, had really painful 
um, connections with male figures and, and leaders in my life, if I kept thinking, if I just love you enough, you'll change, or if I just wow. keep honoring you enough, you'll change, wow. what ends up happening is get so painful and so hurt when someone who really will love me with a purity of heart and this is a God-ordained connection, I'll so be in pain and hurt and, and disappointment that I'm going to end up keeping out the good and the love and the purity that God does have for me. So I, keep, I know who people are to me. Man is not God. God is God. And therefore, because God is God in my life, I can treat people the way they are, but pull down heaven over their life, whether I'm here or I'm over here. Wow. Yeah. So good. Mm. We learned that the hard way. That was like that was like so divinely practical. Can you um, just tell them like because we like you and probably the people watching, we are so hungry for the supernatural move of Christ. But now we're talking about the heart. Can you talk about like the internal internal revival that you always talk about? Yeah. I think um, why Richie and I have dived so deep into this and why we feel so passionate about it is as, yes, we've connected with the Lord, but as we've studied revival, Darren, we've noticed that there has been a pattern in previous years or moves of God where we see the move of God short-circuited right, right. by people's internal brokenness yeah. and pain. Yeah. So I think of Azusa revival. We think... I, you know, um, uh, we rem- can recall and even read in history where people intentionally, through coveting, sabotaged the, the mailing list and the communications wow. and took it into their own hands and people's brokenness and jealousy or poverty thinking got in the way of a great move of God. I think of my hero, Catherine Kuhlman, who had just love and adore and have been inspired second to none and you know, recall moments where she would lie about her age or she would, you know, at the end of her life, have an ambulance hidden come down to the bottom, to the basement and wear a wig to go down and get medical healing or medical attention probably far later than she needed it. Wow, right. And even her own life possibly got cut short because she was so afraid that if people saw she needed medical attention from our doctors or the medical field that they would lose hope in the God who's a healer. And so she took too much responsibility and said, I'm responsible for how God sees people and therefore short-circuited. So Richie and I have a real passion where we want to see God break out in powerful ways, but we believe this generation and we're seeing it is as passionate about seeing an external revival as they are an internal revival. And that we would have a revival of the head and the heart with with such a, we would have a revival of the head and the heart with such a passion and we would be so committed to that that the external revival that we see through our hands and our mouth would be an extension of the freedom, the deliverance, the power, the healing that I have going on inside Mm. of me. And that my private life would be, would be a house and a wineskin. It wouldn't short circuit. It wouldn't limit the move of that's God. Right, but right, it would be right. so strong and I would be so connected and live such a whole life that it would propel forward a move of God and we're going to see a revival that does not expire. 
that yeah. does not end, that is not limited by our human frailty. Yeah. Why? Because we have this thriving internal revival of the head and the heart, and then it's going to come through our mouths and our hands. Oh, and so we awesome. say it's a non-negotiable. Yeah, that's absolute so good. Absolute non-negotiable for our generation. So beautiful. Yeah, because I would imagine like that would be the difference between like uh, like what we've experienced in church history regarding like a sequence of a visitation within every generation, and saying, well, that must be like God's pattern. Like it's God's pattern to visit a generation, but like it's the desire of His heart to abide in in a generation. So sometimes we have a theology that thinks, you know, uh, you know, uh, a a renewal is you know three years, a revival is thirty years. You know, an awakening is 100 years or whatever, whatever the math turns out to be. We have a theology that we have a God who visits, mm. yeah. who visits with mm. his people yeah. versus the longing of his heart is to abide. Because we see these, like, yeah, these habitats, right? Like, we see these, uh, it's almost like when you read church history, it's like, it's like, well, God visited Wales and then he was done. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, but like, no, like, no. like it was his desire to abide yeah. there and make yes. a habitat and the habitat of divinity. But man mm. kind of got in the way, yeah. right? So yes. it's like, what can we do to allow Holy Spirit to reveal? Yes. And it was like the cry of David, right? Like, yeah. Father, like, reveal everything in yes. me so that I can see it. So that there's yes. no, it's like they say, it's not the shark you see that gets you. It's the shark you don't see. 100%. And it's like David's like, reveal to me every yes. soul shark yes. that would mm. like to come and yep. get me from the side. Yep. You know? That's mm. it. Gone are the days so where good. we surrender our meetings. Yes. Nice. He is so <laughs> worthy of my mind. Right. He is worthy of my heart, my inner mm. world. He's worthy of my family life. Come on. Mm. Even more, those are things that are more precious than any extension or stadium meeting or building. And I yes. really believe he's doing that with us, Darren. That it's going to, it's he's moving so deeply internally, and uh, that there will be a, a move of God that we will see, that is limitless, yeah. and will not end. Yes, I know that everybody, like you know, not everybody, but like people want to hear about like you know technology miracles and, yeah. and supernatural integration of like glory and culture and stuff. But I think that this is like just so important. So I just want to go a little bit further here for a second, yeah. and and stay in this like kind of this divinely practical kind of moment, you know. Okay, so you guys are like, you're very fruitful in what you're doing in, in ministry and in, in, in leadership at, at, at Bethel. We, we, I would imagine that there would be pretty high expectations um, being within that culture. And also just, not only for you guys, I know that there are, are plenty of amazing, successful, fruitful people that are either here or watching or listening. And it's almost like in order to produce this amount of fruit we we have to be uh busy farmers in order to have have the harvest and so for all these um busy farmers and harvesters that are watching and listening and yet still long to have a a revelatory flow coming from a place of intimacy um would you guys be willing to kind of invite us into your kind of ethic as far as being busy you know, in, in, in this, but also how do you make sure that, um, that you don't ac- accidentally fall into like re- religi- religiosity mm-hmm. and falling out of that place of intimacy? How do you guard that, this beautiful place that you've carved yeah. out with the Lord? Yeah, mm-hmm. So I might answer your question and I might just start talking. <laughs> just talking, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> 
have a belief system that he's always with me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think in some ways it's, it becomes, um, it breaks my like belief system that I've um, mined out with him that me and him are one, we're together, we're always together. And so for me, everything that I do I'm with him. And so I've, I've not separated myself from I'm working, I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm with him. I'm just with him all the time and he's with me and as I move, he's with me. And like, oh, but don't you need to retreat? I do, but he's, he's with me when I'm retreated and he's with me when I'm working and he's with me always. Otherwise what starts to happen is when we start to minister to the corporates and the doctors, they start to imagine, oh, I'm only with God and I'm only fruitful in the kingdom when I retreat. Mm. But I'm, and so I've, I'm like, no, he's actually with me always. And so I'm in union communing with him consistently all the time. And um, it's this beautiful like walk and dance with him that I'm always there. And, and for me, that's, uh, that's sustaining. Uh, that, so when I minister, when I work, when I do anything, it's not this pressure to produce because oh, I don't need to bring a gift. Um, a lot of people think they need to produce a gift. Wow. Wow. But I'm with them and he's with me. And this may offend you or some, but I have become the gift. Wow. So it's, uh, and then what comes out of this place with him will produce. But so often what I did, so I've had to learn this. I remember the way I learned it, I, it was a few years ago, I invited, got invited to go to South Africa with Libby, back to our home like country and we did a ministry kind of tour, five cities, 25 meetings, like five weeks. <laughs> Come on. So it was wild and wow. I remember the Lord saying to me, I don't want you to um, like over prepare. Yeah. And, and during that trip, the Lord taught me how to minister in the glory in a wow. whole new way. And he started to teach me this, that um, you are the gift. Wow. And so now I'm, the story I'm sharing is in the context of ministry, but imagine in the business space, in the family unit, you carry something and from who you are, fruit starts to come. You don't have to sit and, and work and work and work and work and work and perform to produce something. That's a tiring life but by you being in the room. Who you are starts to manifest, ideas start to get created uh, by you showing up and you starting to communicate, starting to speak, starts. And so then what starts happening is if this is your belief system. If you don't have that belief system, every moment in your life becomes pressure. Wow. To produce yeah. something, yeah. Um, to have something happen, to be prepared. I'm not prepared enough. Right. I don't have enough experience. I right. don't have, I haven't. I, so if your belief system rests on, 
Oh, it's based on all the work I can do, all the prep I can do. And you can guise it up in spirituality um, and it's all good. I'm sure it's all good. I'm just saying my belief system that sets me up for the question. And like, oh, no, I was with them for 12 hours. Therefore, that equals this. I did this. Therefore, it equals this. And you yeah. can guise it in some form of, and some of that's right. So I'm not, but it sets my belief system as no, actually, if you believe like that, then it's, your life's going to be like, okay, I've got to produce, and then I've got to produce the next thing. Oh, then it's a big event or a big moment in business or a big moment in family. Okay, well, how much preparation, how much do I have to do? Oh, I feel the pressure and the pressure and the wow. pressure. But what if, what if, you know, there was something in you that was divine, unique, that the world needed, and it wasn't because of your preparation, but it's because of who you are. And then the pressure comes off. And then what you're doing is you, instead of you presenting your product, you presenting yourself. Um, and that's kind of how, that's how I'm, I'm learning. This is really fresh to me. So maybe my language is um, still articulating around it, but that's how I've come to a place of, oh, I can be involved, but it's not what I produce, it's who I am that creates. Um, do you want to add to that? Yeah, uh, Rich says it's fresh. I mean, you've been walking that out for a few years. Yeah. But in the light of your life, yes, it's I don't fresh. teach it often, no. No. And I, I would say, I mean, I've watched Rich on that journey and learning Jesus is enough. And that when we're operating in the anointing, we're operating in that the realm of his glory, it doesn't have to, we have this idea that it looks a certain way. Yeah. But what we have learned and we see this, model in the word of God that God is incredibly practical That's and right. God is has a God who is attention to detail and um, one of our friends says something so powerful they say your life is preparation for this moment mm. and and often I've watched that in Rich's life just realizing that um, he Jesus in him is the gift and that that he is enough otherwise you want to weigh up what is how did I do in this area? How did I perform here? And then realizing, actually, when you walk in the room, things start to shift. When you open your mouth, Jesus is more hungry to speak to the people than you are, and, and all of those things. And um, I have watched that. I'd say in our house, we have this kind of phrase that we're not a house of performance, but we're a house of producing. And actually, there is a, pre a presence in the Word of God to produce, we see parables of, of stewarding that Jesus intentionally uses, um, talents, finances, uh, crop, all of that is producing fruit. And as you steward what you have in front of you, he entrusts you with more. And so I definitely say that I've learned, you know, we can swing the pendulum, right? When we don't sure, want to perform, sure, we sure. say, oh, I'm just going to be in a place of rest and I'm not going to do anything. And, and this <laughs> is going to be a season of, of doing nothing in God and and I would say, I see a God who rests, but he is so full of light and life that even his rest produces fruit. Yes. And even in wow. God's rest and, and relationship and connection, even that produces beyond what we could ask or imagine. And, and he so, did everything out of rest. Yes, he did. 
And so I think the real, uh, this has been my journey and my challenge is to know I don't have to swing on that pendulum and, okay, I'm going to go from one extreme, I'm going to do great things, well, God, I'm going to conquer the world, and then I go, yeah, well, I'm going to be in a place of rest, but actually there's a beautiful rhythm to life in the spirit, and, there, mm. and I've got to actually discern what is my season, because we look at even the way the world works there is, and God's created that within the earth, a natural rhythm, and there are seasons where I know this is a season of winter, God stripping things bare. I'm going to go down and build roots and I'm going to work on that area of my life. But that doesn't mean I cease from that actually prepares me for summertime. And so enriching my life, I would say we never have balance, ever, just to be honest. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. We are You're so extreme. We are so extreme. <laughs> and I think a lot of people that I watch who do great things for God, I see that my God is not actually a God of balance. Right. I would argue theologically against sure, that. Sure. I would say my God is a seasonal God. Yeah, that's right. And he is that God, like you use a beautiful analogy of a farmer or those who produce. And I would say in rich in my life, there are seasons. And we hear from God over my life, Libby, now is a time to run. This is going to be a season where you will move fast and life will feel full and you'll feel things being pulled out of you and you're going to sow things into the, the, the soil. You're going to see, you're going to output a lot in the season. But what I've learned from mistakes is that if I continually run at that summertime or I, I run at that, that fall season pace of sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, I'm going to burn out and get exhausted. Yeah. But if I live, there's grace for me not to live a balanced life because then we become hyper vigilant that in my day I need one hour of meditation, then I need one hour of study, I need one hour of counseling, so I'm in one hour, and then you just become religious and absolutely, or in my life, religious and absolutely paranoid and trying to do you know, it right. And so in my life I've watched the pattern of God, the season of God, where there are seasons where we know during these few months we are traveling, we are leading, we are outputting at a high pace, but then we know there is going to switch and we must slow down, that maybe the output gets slower, but the input gets greater and we'll begin to find out what are the rhythms of the spirit for that's my good. life right yeah, now? What are the seasons that I'm in? And so I don't have to be afraid because then I, you know, I get into this place of saying, I'm giving out too much, I don't have, but then I, I have this eagle eye vision. This is why Jesus said, you, you need to know how to discern the seasons, the times that we are in. That's right. And that's it's right. not just corporate. I need to know the time I'm in in my own life so that I know I'm giving out, I'm leading. There's a high, you know, we've got this meeting going on and leading this and this. And I don't have to get, because I actually love safety and I really love structure naturally in my personality. I don't have to get anxious or begin to panic. I don't even have to be afraid for pouring my life out like a drink offering because the Father shows me this is a season and you have these weeks or these months in front of you and my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness and where you've sown. This is going to be a time of reaping and output. But I know, oh, in three weeks' time or in two weeks' time or two days' time, I'm going to turn the corner and there's going to be a season, whether it's days or weeks or months, of slower pace and rest. And so what I often find is God's moving 
and people are so afraid of performance that they short circuit God producing something powerful in your wow. life. Wow. Because wow. they say, oh, oh, I need to slow down. I'm, I'm about to burn out. Or, or we have that fear. Our generation sometimes is a fear of performance which is great, but we don't want it to override us. And so we begin to short circuit and say, oh, I don't have what it takes. I need to slow down. But actually know the season you're in. If you're meant to run, you better run with horses as fast as you can and keep up with the Lord. And when it's time to rest, woo, if you are working then and you are meant to be resting, you better watch out because you're going to burn out and there's not grace for Absolutely. that season. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I would say I we will run and then we will slow down. And sometimes it's days in between a week. Sometimes it's seasons of months. But we need to know together and for our own lives, what is the season we are in? And if we're in line with that season, really good. we're going to be in peace. We're going to produce. And don't be afraid of hard work. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. Yes. We work hard. It's so yeah. funny when you talk about the rhythm, like and the, even the rhythm of God. A lot of us, when we read the Genesis account, we think that God like created for six days and then rest. But we, we forget that each day yeah. he created something and he rested each day. Because at yes. the end of each day, Absolutely. he affirmed what he had done that day. Wow. Yeah. And he rests and he says, hmm. I did good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like this within the yes. community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy yeah. Spirit, like, Today was a good day. Absolutely. Ha, selah. You know that. um, And so one of the things that caught my attention when you were talking is, because if we say we are at rest, but there is no cultural production or any sort of uh, um, uh, creation, then it's actually a counterfeit form of rest, which is actually laziness. So laziness is actually counterfeit rest, right? That's really good. So you have to, so it's, it's the, it's part of our that we've been created in the image and likeness of a creator yeah you know mm, c.s yeah. lewis would say we are like co-creators we are sub-creators yeah. you know okay. and so like if if there's not if we're not then we are we are like shutting down a part of our yeah. divine uh part of his and his divine intent for our yeah. existence is to be like him and to do what he does and that yes. is to create and affirm yes. and to find satisfaction yes. in but um, so th- anyways, yeah. that was what was stirring up when you were, yeah. when you were chatting, I thought. Yeah, completely. And, and we're growing in this too. Yeah, and I would say, com- as, especially as a woman, I mean, we're going to be real. There are often contexts where it's not common for people in the church to see a woman preaching or leading. Yeah, right. And I've found this godly wisdom and not out of fear or, or trying to prove anything, but I know I have a special opportunity and we do that in whatever capacity or... Um, whatever God's doing on the earth, but I know that uh, we, you don't just want to empower people for the sake of it. Right, and I sure. often know that when I'm preaching or speaking, that there, it's not something that every context is used to seeing, women preach or minister. And so what I, I mean, this is personally, but my heart is, I want to steward that opportunity yeah. powerfully to make way for the women that are behind me yeah, or around good. me. Yes. And so I will be very intentional to and in stewarding even before there was opportunity or moments I hear what God has for me and I think it's powerful to put my plow to the ground and begin to study the word of God and begin to prepare and to begin to steward the gifts he's given me and I've watched 
the Lord do that with both Rich and my life, but take whatever opportunity. If I am speaking to the four people in my home group, there have been years where God has given me that and And in my heart, I look at that and either I can say, oh, I'm speaking to four people. I'll just show up, see what the Lord does. Or I can say, God, let me have kingdom eyes to see what you're preparing me for. But more than that, out of love for who you are and what you're doing, let me have kingdom eyes to see who these four people are who I have the honor of stewarding and leading and loving for this season. And I'm going to prepare and lead them as if I'm leading a stadium or as if I'm leading the church one day you've called me to lead. And as I do that, and I have kingdom eyes for what he's put in front of me, we see this gift of of stewarding what he's placed in us and simply being faithful with what's in front of me. And I'm going to show up with my full self, with faith. I'm going to show up with the love of God. And I'm going to treat this moment as if it's the most precious thing the Father's given me. Because if he thinks I should be doing this right now, you better believe that I am doing it to worship him and I'm going to treat it with the fear of God and the honor that he has, that he treats those lives with. Mm. And so I've watched um, a real grace from God as we've been faithful with what's in front of us. And in those moments that later in life, people I'm pulling from that well of sitting with four people in my home or of having those times in secret place and connecting with God where I've gone deep in revelation or the encounters and and trances, whatever he'll do and we we get taken up into. I know sometimes when I'm ministering now that I'm pulling out of 10 years ago Hmm. where God did this or he he moved in this way. And so I would just say as well is something powerful is just stewarding the moment and seeing things, treating moments and people with kingdom eyes. Wow. Yeah, and right. as we do that, God will increase influence and And I've watched measure. Libs and... And then it's effortless. Myself do this, it. but it's like a great leader will take every moment and see it as very significant. Yeah. And you see that with the Christ, mm-hmm. a woman at the well, it's the key that unlocks a city. Yeah. And so often you're waiting in life for your big moment. You're yeah. waiting in life for that big moments of um, your mountains like ministry, you're waiting for this, this big moment and you're holding yourself back, mm-hmm. waiting for like this moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, but what if like God, every moment was actually, you were born for that. Yeah. Like so, you know, we're sitting here, what if now we were able to, to um, add value to the body of Christ that would see those watching or in the room right now uh, and a belief system shift that would see more release over their life. What if this was a moment that could cause a shift and we see this with the Christ, with the woman of the well and there's this moment that then it goes on to see a whole city mm-hmm. and it's that John 4 key is often a key that'll open up the whole city. Yeah. Wow. And so you must have kingdom eyes to see that one life. We're just waiting. We're waiting, and in the context, it's a life. It's a moment. It's mm-hmm. a and like we've we've kind of been like God. Every moment I know is really significant. Every person that comes in front of us is really significant. This may be the key that opens the whole city. Yeah, has the potential for kingdom to break through. And. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, like, I, and I find when you steward the woman of the well, 
the city opens up to you. Yeah. Um, and you steward the, the four in a home group, you know, and, and so for me, like last night, oh, the glory of God filled the room in the most incredible way. And as we ministered together, um, yourself, me, Lib, Steve, and, and the room all together, it was one of these moments with Jesus that I, I felt like I was getting, a, like my identity was shifting, that I was getting up, like there was something awakening inside of me. It was, it was a moment. It, like, it, re- it was a moment. And I remember being here and sitting over there and then sitting over there. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and said, Rich, something's going to happen to you here. And it was a moment. And I think too often people are waiting for this and they miss, they miss the woman of the well moment that can like open up favor, open yeah. up destiny, open up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All the influence, a lot of the big moments that you'll hear Richie and I share. People ask us or, or they are witnesses to our lives, they will always see that it began in the most unglamorous of ways. Wow. And it opened through just a crack in the door or, wow. you know, um, Richie and I had the privilege uh, one evening to go to the American Music Awards and afterwards begin to um, to share, uh, you know, God thoughts and, and some things with people around that. And one of those moments opened up... Um, we got to minister at one of the after parties there, and we had such significant moments, but a lot of, one of those just opened up simply because Rich had a real connection with uh, a woman that had chatted with him, and he was just, she felt incredibly loved and seen, and there was a great uh, a special encounter she had with the Lord and it was him stewarding the one-on-one. He didn't know who she was or what her influence or involvement was. And then through there, a door opens up just like a woman at the well opens up a city and I think that's the effortlessness of journeying with Jesus. You're faithful with what's in front of you and then he Mm. opens up the great. Was I allowed to share that? No, it's fine. Okay, thanks. I hope so. (laughs) It was Britney Spears. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. It wasn't. Or was it? Or was it? <laughs> just checking to make sure no one's sleeping. I just, I just love you guys. I, I just love what you guys carry and who you are. It's so unique. Watching you guys minister last night and watching you minister together, that's, that's a very unique dynamic. Yeah. It's also, um, it's cool to see more and more female uh, teachers. Uh, starting to come up, you know, it's also kind of funny that it's happened within more of the non-revival stream, actually, initially, like you'd see yeah. like Priscilla Schreier and like yes. Beth Moore and just somebody yes. who's just incredible, actually within a stream where, um, where female teaching isn't even really permitted on the main, on, on a main church stage. Absolutely. And yet some of the, some of the best kind of Bible teachers have been yeah. coming yeah. up in this stream where that's yeah. not even uh, theologically been permitted, which is just so like God, like, oh, that's not allowed? Watch what I do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm in control. Yeah. Not you. Thanks, Jesus. But seeing what you model, Libby, as far as not just a teacher, of course, you got a, an incredible teacher's eloquence, but also just you've got a fire on you. There, there's a real, there's a real, the, the power of God 
it, you know, last night, I like what Pastor Tony says, you, in a meeting, he'll, he'll be discerning, um, am I going after principles, um, mm-hmm. presence, or power? And one of the things that I've seen um, uh, come from you guys last night and this morning is that uh, I see you operating in all three. I see the principles that came forth back, back uh, last night and this morning. This morning was really, you went after the principles of God. The presence of God, which I see that you guys are not willing to really do anything without it. No, well, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. how boring. <laughs> yeah. And then, imagine imagine we sure. spoke about him, but he wasn't here. I mean, that would what, be a disappointment. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Richard. I got, yeah, we got, we got worked we, up there. Yeah. Press, press that button. Up. Uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and the power of God that you guys are walking in, in all three, and and Libby, you're walking all three, and that's and that is and that is rare. Uh, but things are certainly shifting, and it's so cool to see that you're not just doing this stuff, but you truly are using your lives to train and equip the saints uh, for works of ministry, knowing that there's going to be a legacy. Of forerunners that you guys are raising up. It's such an honor to call you guys uh, friends and, uh, and family of this house. Thank you so much for making uh, this week a part of your summer, a part of your 2020. What a privilege. And uh, we're going to be praying for you guys, cheering you on as you go into uh, a new year with the school yeah. coming up yeah. in, into, yeah. into the fall. It's on. Yeah, and, and just believing really, you know, uh, man, that you haven't seen nothing yet, that the Thanks greatest God. is yet to come. So excited about Moses. Um, uh, and the others that, that I'm sure will be coming. And, <laughs> and uh, thank you for, I know it's been a big, it's been, it's been a big 24 hours for you guys. Thank you so much for joy. creating this time uh, to joy. be able to dive into what I consider such a valuable and rich, such a timeless uh, conversation that yeah. will bear fruit in all of our lives that engage with this. So thank you. Can we just give them a big thank you? Thanks, Darren. Thank you so much, Darren. What a dream. I love this place and we love you. What Darren sees in other people, he carries in himself. You are definitely one of our heroes, Darren. So it's an honor to connect with you. Thank you so much, Lou. Awesome. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take Take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.